All right, we're back at it again. High Flyer TV with another episode. This time we have uh, Sergeant Graham, Master Sergeant Select. We're in Huber Heights, Ohio, where he recruits out of. Um, I'm very familiar with this area. My wife's from Dayton. We, we travel here a lot, and it's uh, good to be back around here. So, Sergeant Graham, how you doing? Man, everything's good. It's, it's Thursday, you know. It's, it's going. It's moving. All right, awesome. And, and, and it's Thursday. I know for myself, when you get into a... Um, your flow of recruiting, sometimes Thursday can feel like Friday. Is that the case for you, or is it a little different? Well, I don't want to let out any secrets, but no. Um, Thursdays <laughs> is, is definitely when you're trying to wind down. Um, yesterday and Tuesday, especially with the holiday on Monday, I was in here, you know, the the sad stories you hear from 8 to 7 kind of thing. But now I'm cleaning up, you know, a couple of applicants going to MEPS and just trying to make sure that I'm ready to get ready for next week. So, yeah, Thursday I try to wind down a little bit. Awesome. And, um, you know, I definitely think that's a product of uh, great planning. You know, you've been doing this for a while. How long have you been a recruiter? Uh, two and a half years. July would be three years. Okay. So you 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 uh, pretty much passed the halfway mark. It's downhill. It's definitely downhill. Okay. All right. Cool. So, um, you know, as you know, with this platform, what we're trying to do is help recruiters. You know, we've obviously had successes and some people uh, struggle more than others or don't know certain things. And I feel like it's a good way to share info. Okay. So with this uh, podcast and interview, I really want you to just open up and uh, share your secrets okay. because I know in recruiting, sometimes we hold those secrets, you know, I don't know why that is. So tell us a little bit about yourself, where you come from, your background. All right. Well, as I said, I already met Sergeant Select, uh, Ronald Graham. Uh, originally from Florence, South Carolina, a uh, small town, about hours and change from Myrtle Beach, about 45 minutes from Shaw Air Force Base, just some kind of landmarks for my small town. I've uh, been in the Air Force uh, May, April 21st and make it 11 years. I am um, originally a heating, ventilation, air conditioning, refrigeration technician, uh, CEH back. I uh, did that for eight years. Like I said earlier, I've been recruiting for about a little over two and a half, going on three. Um, stationed in Masawa, Japan for my first base. Two years there, I uh, was in Cannon for five and a half years in New Mexico, and then I've been here. Um, three deployments, um, numerous travel opportunities, uh, just countless, countless times of getting out and, and just seeing everything and being in the Air Force. Um, yeah, it's pretty much just uh, married. Uh, wife's in the Air Force also, works at the hospital. She joined about three years ago, two and a half, three years ago. Um, no kids yet. That's pretty much it. That's it. That's me. Okay, great, great. So it seems like your assignments have been kind of polar opposite. You know, maybe a great uh, assignment and then not so much great. And then I feel like this is a pretty good assignment. Do you, you feel like it? Are you liking it so far? Yeah, I mean, when I first got to Masao in first base, um, definitely the first couple months was ungrateful. A 19-year-old, you know, from South Carolina, and I just wanted to get back to the East Coast. You know, I joined to get close to the East Coast and just have a good job. Um, so the first couple months I had to break through the, hey, you're in another country, enjoy it while you're here phase. Um, Cannon was there five and a half years. When it came to Cannon, um, man, I, I thought about getting out of the Air Force when I first got the initial assignment there. Um, just I didn't want to be there, didn't know anything about it, definitely culture shock. But, you know, as I look back and, and when I say my great retirement speech in about nine years and six months when I'm out of here, <laughs> um, Cannon will go down as my best assignment because there was nothing to do there but uh, mature. It wasn't any distractions. It was nothing to do. Um, I learned everything about my job, kind of became a subject matter expert because there we have the opportunity to work on all the equipment. Um, that's the thing with my job, my original job. Um, we don't get to see every equipment at every base. So I left Japan. I was only working good with steam. Got to Canon. They had air conditioning, heat, steam. They had everything that my job entails, which is why we came come out of there 
uh, great technicians. Um, and I was able to, you know, go from senior airman to tech sergeant and, and just learn a lot because it wasn't any distraction. So Air Force-wise, uh, career-wise, it was the best thing that happened to me. Um, lifestyle, yeah, I was kind of bored, but, I mean, sometimes you need to slow down a little bit. Coming from Japan, it's a different, different feeling. And then this, this, this uh, opportunity here, besides the cold, I really don't mind dating. He rides. Um, as far as the job goes, it's a great location. We're close to the base, so I do have some of those that help, you know, when we're in the uh, GSU. So being close to the base is, is definitely a plus. Um, could be a minus sometimes dealing with parents, but for the most part, what I need is there. Okay, great. And I mean, I, I think that was a great segue into what I was going to ask next, because I feel like some recruiters and individuals believe that it's all about the zone. All you hear is zone, 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 and you're successful because of your zone and uh, things of that nature. But I, I believe that's a combination of multiple things that makes you successful, because if you have a high volume zone, you still got to know how to manage it. Yep. Uh, similar to money, you could be rich and still be poor with your money. So, with that being said, with your zone, you know, you kind of described it a little bit. Do you think that um, a part of that attributes to your success or do you feel like there's other factors that you bring to the table that make you the success you are? Um, so it's, it's a combination of both, as you said before. I mean, yes, this zone is a great zone. Um, I've been in zones to where I, I was like, wow. Um, the thing about it, uh, our pro soups, Sergeant Goodman, uh, when I first did my first uh, 180 day in the certification, at that time, when I got here in 2017, this was the mecca. I mean, we had people lining up in here like it was a barbershop. People were waiting. And it wow. drove me crazy because I came in, and I'm hearing these stories about how you got to get out for the first eight months from school, and I'm getting here. And I could not leave the desk because the door was open. Um, me and Sergeant Ross, he was my other office partner, and I was sitting up front. I mean, it was literally people were like, hey, I'll wait. I don't care. I'll wait. The economy was at a different time. It was a different group of people coming through. Um, so while I was going through that stage, I learned how to handle multiple applicants at certain times and prioritize who needs to go first, who needs to go last. I learned a lot because of the constant traffic. Now, what Senior Goodman did tell me um, that made a lot of sense, um, and I take, I always take advice, even though I talk a little trash every now and then, I always listen to what people tell me. He told me, hey, you know, he came in with the 180 day, and I remember sitting here, and he's asking me, well, how do you get leads? I check the voicemail. You know, how do you do this? I check my voicemail. I check after. You know, I was feeling myself. I was having a good flow of people. And he's like, well, look, while everything's going good, you need to learn how to recruit just in case it slows down. And I will say that's the best advice I got in recruiting. Um, while I was there, everything was good. So what I would do, I mean, I knew that people would be here from July 7, 2017 to probably, I would say, January 2018. Somebody's always here or knocking at the door or calling my phone. So during that time frame, I used to go out into the zone, let everybody know who I am practice all those recruiter tools because I didn't know if it ever was going to slow down. And sure enough, about July 2018, I ain't had a walk-in in about a month. But I had already built my name out there while everything was going good. So I learned everything while I still had it. And I know it's different for some recruiters. They come in and they're just building from the start and they don't have that opportunity to actually learn how to recruit because they got to get people on the queue. They got to get their trainer signed off. So a lot of things happened there. But the best thing I did was, hey, Sergeant Ross, you can get those people. I'm going to go out. And that's when I would try everything, go to the mall and talk to people, um, go out in my zones and meet people. I was out a lot because I knew, OK, I went out Monday through Wednesday, Thursday. Somebody going to knock at the door and out of six of them, two of them be qualified. So it's kind of how I approached it. Um, and it slowed down a lot. It's still good. Um, now it's kind of reaping the benefits of the work that I put in in that first year. Um, I was living in that first year. Even if I was having four or five on the queue, I was living like I had zero because I really wanted to get the hang of it. 
problem. So I just worked hard. I mean, everybody in the community knows me. I think that's the biggest thing with any zone is getting embedded into your zone. Some people are going to be good at that. Some people are going to be good at, you know, the marketing thing. You have to do what works for you. Everybody in this area knows me as the recruiter that plays basketball. I play in the local gyms downtown. Yeah, we're going to talk about that too. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's coming up. But, um, and, you know, I was there and I wouldn't be pushy about it. I may just have an Air Force shirt on, Air Force PT shirt, long sleeve. I like playing basketball on long sleeves. And when I'm done, you know, hey, man, what do you do? I've never seen you before and everything like that. I mean, that was my way of getting out into the community. Um, but then when I go to some of my schools in the country, Preble County, uh, I fish. I'm a country boy. So we still can hold those conversations. But you have to do what's genuine for you. And now is, I mean, I'm really reaping the benefits of that first year of hard work. And, and the saying that they say where some things don't pay off till later, that's kind of what happens. I mean, this month of January, December has been rough. It's been slow. Um, but people that I talked to last summer all called me back now because they tried the college thing. And it's just a customer service thing and just being being a recruiter, really. I think that's where it comes in at. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, I feel like recruiting, I'm sure you can agree, is a combination of, you know, like you said, everybody knowing who you are and having those connections because time is going to get slow. I know for this whole season so far, it's been very slow for me. But like you, um, the, the prospecting and the things I've done prior allows me to keep generating business out of nowhere. It seems like it's coming out of nowhere, but it's from the work you put in, you know, years before. And that's something that... Um, when you first start, you may not see, yep. but you have to keep pushing through and then eventually you'll see it. Yep. So cool. So, you know, you kind of got a good foundation. You, you understand the basic recruiter tools, which is awesome. You know, some recruiters get lost in, like you said, training and so many things to do. They don't get out and do those things. Um, so those recruiters that you see or the rookie recruiters that may struggle with understanding what's important and balancing everything. Um, how do you, or how did you find the time, you know, to be a basketball star <laughs> and, you know, um, also getting, get into that mindset of knowing I got to do these things now to be successful later. Uh, you know, what made you like that? Um, prioritization. Um, so basketball is a hobby and it just happens to keep me in shape, but in the air force, I can't come out here and work all day and be out of shape, but then I'm failing PT test. So, I mean, yeah, that it goes hand in hand. I have to get some kind of workout in, um, whether it's basketball running. Basketball is fun to run kind of thing. Um, but it, it's taking care of yourself first. You will not succeed in this job if you don't take care of yourself. Um, and that's, that's just the honest truth. So taking care of myself, my mental clearing, I mean, going to the gym, going to the gym, playing basketball, um, that's how I kept sane when I was going through that training and everything. If I'm there at 5, 6 o'clock, I stay in there to 9 and just – I don't think about anything. The phone's over there in the bag, and I'm just running up and down the court. But that's for my mental. Some people have kids. Some people have other things. But, and whatever works out for you, you have to do that because if you're putting that to the side and you're working 1,000%, you're not going to be happy. You may be somewhat successful, but it's going to die down soon because it's not genuine. Um, I, I just kind of prioritize. And I, I didn't go to the gym every day. Some days I missed that, that good hoop session where we had everybody there and it was going to be 20, 25 people. Um, some days I didn't get to hit the weights in the morning, but when I'm there, I'm actually enjoying it at that moment. I'm there, my mind is clear, and then I come out of there, and then hey, all right, let's let's prequal, let, let's get back to it. Um, and that's the, whatever you do. And like I say, you just gotta prioritize, prioritize. Like there's some days couldn't couldn't go. You know, like normally a Tuesday and Wednesday, I'm in here at seven or eight, so I just cut that out of my basketball schedule. Um, but Mondays when I'm doing all my depth stuff, my depth call, my people shipping out, I might get out of here a little early to try to get there at 2 o'clock and get that good running because I know Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. I'm stuck to the seat. I'm right here. 
you know, pedal to the metal. Hopefully I get a lunch kind of thing. Um, and that's just, like I said, the prioritization. But you got to take care of yourself first. Because when you're speaking with an applicant, they feel that energy. When I'm in here and I'm smiling and I'm happy and I'm like, hey, man, we got to hurry up. Basketball about to start. They know that I'm genuine. They know that I'm human being. And then we laugh it off, but they understand, like, hey, I got other things to do too, but I want to help you out. And it's just a, it's a mind game. It's, it's like playing chess. The whole recruiter like, really, I've never played chess before, but <laughs> I've always told it's kind of like a chess game. I do play chess, so. Uh... <laughs> I probably will win. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so, um, you know, great advice, prioritization is important. Um, you having that balance is important because we are humans. You have to do fun things. And I've heard from several individuals and, um, you know, even higher leadership to where, you know, if, if you got everything squared away or if you plan properly, if it's a Friday, if it's a Monday, whatever day in your schedule, you know, take some time to take care of your family and give that time back. And uh, a lot of my supervision is uh, very big on that, which is super important. OK, so um, one thing I want to talk about in kind of switch gears a little bit, you know, you being. Okay, you being a, a gold badge recruiter, okay, which is the top, you know, honor in recruiting, okay. But I also noticed on your Facebook and just knowing you personally, you're very focused on quality over quantity yes, and and developing your people and actually getting leaders into the Air Force. So how do you find the time? Because we have a a, a correlation with gold badge with production. You know, maybe sometimes production doesn't equal them the most quality. So how, how do you find it, that balance to still be production oriented, but also find that quality to develop your people? Um, it's really just dealing with the people. Um, I mean, everybody coming here, they can put on a show and act like they're the best human being ever and, and not really be worth anything. My mindset when it comes to production and quality is I, I wasn't always the best airman. You know, I had a mentor that grabbed me by the pretty much by the ear, yanked me up, say, what are you doing? You got all this potential and you're not doing anything. So I look at it the same way. I got pretty much uh, spun up year five. You know, year five in the Air Force is when I finally had someone grab me and say, hey, man, you're doing good. You're not doing bad, but you can do a lot more. I can see it, you know, kind of thing. So my, my mentality is if I can catch someone when they come into the door that way, then I'm probably giving them the foundation to be a better airman. Because at the end of the day, we do get caught up in production. We do get caught up in the numbers. Um, there are people who we put in the Air Force who probably we never should or never thought about it. But we can't make that decision. Uh, we make that pre-qualification. If they're pre-qualified, they're pre-qualified for the Air Force. Now, once they come from uh, MEPS and swear in, that's when I, a switch flips. Now I'm looking at you as an airman. So I'm going to treat you as such. Now, I'm not going to come in here and yell at you and scream at you. I'm not doing the whole T.I. thing. You come in here and report. You're still here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're not coming in my door. Hey. Um, we're still going to talk to like human being, and I just treat every applicant, every depper, as if it was back in the HVAC shop. Um, sit down, let's talk about everything. What you got going on? Um, what are your goals when you join the Air Force? You said you're going to do four and get out. Let's look at it. And then I just showed them how I did, how I learned what I learned, and try to pass it on to them. Um, so I would say, I mean, they could come in rough around the edges. That doesn't mean they're not going to be a, a great airman. Um, but it's imperative to me, and it's, it's vital to me. And I go home and sleep better at night knowing that I'm at least trying to instill the foundation in them. And giving them what I learned at year five, they're at year negative one. You know, they haven't started yet. Yeah. six months to go. And so when they do go to basic training, I won't say they have one up, but it, it's kind of like, oh, uh, I like using that word, raising kids, you know. Um, they can never say that Sergeant Graham never told me. So if they go out there and make bad decisions, it was a choice. It wasn't because they didn't know. To where some of the things that I may have ran into as a young airman, I didn't know. You know, I didn't have that knowledge, but they know if they came out of this office, they know um, if they choose to do better, then that's them. You know, um, and that's just me. 
because uh, eventually we're going to phase out. We're going to be the old and crusties, you know, and they're going to be the, the, the young and new. And it's, what do you want to see when you're young and new? I know what I wanted to see in young staff sergeants when I was a young airman. So I need to instill that in them so when they get to that point, because, I mean, the, with the promotion system and the way these kids are moving, you're going to staff in three years, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I, definitely. I got people right now that are testing for staff sergeant, and I'm betting that about 50% of them will make it because of how I met them and, and the way they carry themselves. And, you know, if I go back to force or if they get picked up for recruiting, I need that foundation already built. You know, and I think that's the important part. of. It. So I wouldn't say quality is definitely important. I mean, some people come in here, if they come in here crazy off their rocker, I'm not for them. How crazy you talking? <laughs> and and what, what time of the month is it? <laughs> That's the question. <laughs> like I said, it's definitely, a, it's definitely a chess game. Some people have to be dragged out to make sure they're serious. Uh, they may have to miss those phone calls. You may have to get that call to your flight chief saying, I've been ignoring them, but it's all for a reason. Because um, we deal with them day to day. The recruiter deals with them. Um, I always I tell Sergeant Ford, I tell anybody I run into, there's some people that may not make your goal, but you're doing the Air Force's service by not putting and that's just the, the truth behind it. Um, and then you, and, and I think how we said about information, being transparent. They started Corbin. I just met Sergeant Kendrick. Or every, uh, you know, Kendrick, he's probably going to call you. I wasn't rude to him, but, you know, he's not a fit for the Air Force. And I stand on my decision. I'll find somebody else, but I won't put him into the Air Force. Because eventually you're giving someone else a problem. You're giving a TI a problem. You're giving a technical training instructor a problem. You're giving their first supervisor a problem. Um, I really, honestly, wholeheartedly believe playing both sides of the fence, being that HVAC guy, getting those new airmen who, I don't know, I thought it was daycare. Like, what's wrong with y'all? You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, I do feel like some of the stuff we can stop here. Now, it's going to be some of the months to where they might get through it, January, February. Hey. <laughs> Gotta get them. You know how it goes. But, I mean, honestly, I still believe everybody can be molded and mentored and at least be uh, have the knowledge to do better. Everybody's not going to make it. Even the ones that come in here and they're, they carry themselves like the president and they're just, oh, I'm the best. And they love everything about the Air Force. They, they probably might. So I'm not going to make it. But I do want to instill in them the tools I think that's important. And it helps out with the issues down the line, cancellations, um, bringing other guys back. If you treat them good and mentor them, because now they look at me as, yeah, I'm still Sergeant Grant, but I'm more of a big brother, big uncle. Like I'm really, because I really care about everybody I put in. Um, I can tell you the first person I put in to the last person I put in. So when they don't go to basic training, when things do go wrong, um, I do get upset. I take it personally. Hey, why, why? You know. And then on the flip side of that, some people are just not going to go. You're going to get cancellation, right? Well, they have that mindset where they call you because you have built that rapport, you built that relationship. Hey, I'm sorry to tell you this, but I just can't do it. Whatever the case may be, but you can respect that more than ship day coming in. Yeah, they're just not there. It's not there. And you like, uh, where are you? Yeah. You know. <laughs> Yeah, um, definitely quality is definitely more so what we want to do but we want to make sure sometimes I, I think we get caught up in initial appointment put them in the debt program and shipping them out from the time they debt in to the time they ship out is normally a two to three month period you should meet with them at a minimum twice a month um, that's where you that's where you bring the ice that's where you let them know like hey this is the air force this is how it is um, and you kind of can bring them in just a little bit. You can't show them everything, but you can show them the little ins and outs. You know, and what I do sometimes, I bring people from the base that I know, or they coming in, they, I don't know, whatever, one of my buddies come by. Hey, ask him some questions. He's been in two years. He's a little closer to your age than me. You know, and, and you got to use the tools that you have. You got to use the tools that you have. But I think that is the most critical period from the time they swear in to the time they leave. Initial appointment of death, yeah, we can play games and everything goes in. But from the time they get on my board back there to the time they skip out, 
that's when I'm there. Um, even when I do my dev calls, and I just treat it like a real, real shop. I need that feedback too. How's my customer service? What could I be doing better? How can I help you guys get better? Um, and it's just the relationship portion that I think is important. I think, we're, I think sometimes we miss it. Sometimes we miss it. We just so caught on Kendrick going on March 31st and getting them out the door and doing the EAD checks and just going through it. You know, at one time I wasn't even using the paperwork. I didn't want it to feel robotic. Hey, 45 days out, we're not going to do no paperwork. Check your height and weight. What's anything stopping you? Kind of just approach. Everybody's going to have their own approach. You got to do what works for you. I think that's important. Yeah, definitely. I can tell, um, you know, you're going to be at a lot of uh, your airmen's uh, retirement ceremonies. Yeah. I say that, or promotion ceremonies. And I think that's important. I think about that, you know, just in Air Force period, you know, at a retirement ceremony and you being a leader, uh, who's going to invite you or remember you were important in that, you know, because I already know thinking about my retirement ceremony um, in my head, I collect folks that I know are going to be there, um, which is very, very important. So uh, you touched on a great point okay and that this forum is uh, like a conversation so i start thinking of things as you start talking and one thing you said was you have that relationship with your flight chief which your flight chief is relatively new to here and um you're able to tell him hey you know such and such is not a good fit for the air force and you know i'm sticking on my decision i hope you respect that i'm going to get you another person so let's talk about that because i feel like a lot of recruiters when they get assigned here that relationship with the flight chief seems more production heavy than anything because the flight chief sometimes has to play the bad guy. Yeah. Okay. So how do you get to that point? And um, would you say that is something that you learned in the Air Force that you can have that mindset of just doing what's right? Or do you feel like you're just able to um, have a personality that allows you to say what you feel? Um, I think it's just me. I think everybody has it in them. Uh but it's just far as me, the way I was raised, born, and, and just I'm standing on what I believe kind of thing. Um, I, I'm willing to take the backlash of if I feel it's right or wrong. I'm standing up for what I believe in, and it's just kind of how it is. I mean, if you're mad, I get it. Um, that's fine. But we're definitely going to stand up for what we believe in because if we don't, uh, one second, he's coming right back in. You can have a seat. Um, if you don't believe in what you stand up for, then, you know, why are you here kind of um, and, it, and it's just a way of communicating it. There, there's not going to be a root. I ain't work. You know that. I know how to talk to people. I've learned at a very young age how to talk to people because mom used to knock your head off. If you're yeah, crazy. Man. So, um, and it's just a different way of saying, "Hey, sorry, Corbin. I met with Kendrick, um, and we met twice. I honestly don't believe he's going to be a good fit for the Air Force. If I do get him to depth, which sometimes we can still get people in depth that don't deserve it, he's probably going to can on me." Um, and I think that's what, once you put those words in play, like, hey, do you rather me miss this guy and get somebody else, or do you want to deal with these headaches in your camp? Because um, ultimately, we have to deal with the can. Ultimately, we have to deal with these people calling them, trying to meet up with them. They're playing the games on the phone and stuff like that. So we have to deal with that. Um, I think as a recruiter, they have to be able to voice that to their supervisor. Because, I mean, we're still tech sergeants, staff, staff sergeants. We're still NCOs. We've been in long enough to know things. Um, and it, it comes somewhat from my career field also with HVAC. You know, HVAC is one of those career fields where it's life or death sometimes. I'm not sending Sergeant Kendrick to go work on a building and wire up something that could potentially blow up if he doesn't know what he's doing. I don't. <laughs> and, and I have to make that call sometimes. There's been times where I've been in that staff meeting with, you know, the colonel and saying, hey, ma'am, I understand we got to get this done. Um, I understand, you know, everything we got going on, but I am not willing to risk my men or my resources on doing it because it's not going to be right. And, you know, if I get a slap on the wrist, so I don't care. 
But going home to sleep knowing that I did the right thing and didn't just answer a question just the way it should have thought it may have been answered, that's fine. Um, I had that happen on one of my deployments. We had a situation where we were going down range and we needed heaters. So our HVAC heaters, I'm going off the limb now. I don't know who you good. Yeah. HVAC heaters, ICUs, <laughs> and everything that everybody normally has in deployment factions are not rated to be over uh, freezing temperatures. Um, so they wanted to use those because they wanted to save money. And I was like, no, I, I can't sign off on that. I know those ECUs are heat pumps. Heat pumps are what people use in Florida for mm-hmm. to give you an overview of what I'm saying without getting too deep. They're not rated to be at hours of times in a negative situation as far as uh, temperature. So you're, you're going to kill the guys. You know, I'd rather we spend the money, we find it in the budget to get these Arctic blast heaters that really will work. Yeah. So let's go. And I kind of thought outside the box. I went to age. Um, age has equipment that can handle those kind of temperatures. So I kind of thought outside the box, okay, we're not spending the money, but we're going to get these heaters here. They're going to roll them and we'll work with age, but I'm not sending our ECUs out there because they are not rated for that. And when those guys come back, you know, our special warfare, they, they need to be, they're doing what they're doing. They need to have some heat. Um, and I got a little backlash from it and it was kind of like, Hey, you're a staff sergeant. You know, you, you need to be doing what is told and making things work. Well, I'll make it work, but we're not going to use that. So I walked over to age myself and said, hey, this is a situation and they helped me out. But I was willing to say no. You know, some people would probably would have said yeah, and then we would have lost a combat controller to you know, Yep. So something crazy like that, yeah. It was not gonna work. So, and I think that's just me personally. Um, it's just I take the lash and it's okay. Because what happened is the next day when you put somebody else in and hey, I found someone else for you, sir, it kind of goes away. They don't they, yeah, exactly. it is what it is. Um, yeah, I've been in that situation, man, several times, and um, uh, I encourage individuals to do the same thing because at the end of the day, as recruiters, like you said, we, we qualify people, but, you know, we still got to put some type of quality in yeah. into the Air Force, even if we need to make goal, because um, it's not always that as important. But overall, everything, you know, you talked about so far, I mean, you know, mentoring your depth and being that person that speaks up, having that integrity are all things that are being a great airman. So kind of, man, I think the moral to all of that is, you know, as a recruiter to be successful, uh, first of all, you need to have that mindset of just being a great airman like you were before you came here uh, and you got selected and, you know, just getting used to the tempo is the other thing, you know. So uh, let's switch gears and talk about recruiter challenges, okay? So like I said, this is designed to help those recruiters out there that are struggling in in form of fashions. And every zone is different, but, you know, right now you will be kind of speaking more towards a person with a similar zone since, you know, that's the biggest concern is my zone, my zone, my zone. So for individuals like yourself that um, maybe came into an office similar to yours or coming into offices, what are some challenges you think are big that they can be aware of and not fall into? Uh, prioritization that's going to be the biggest one you got five people here you have five walk-ins um, or you got four appointments you got to prioritize um, before I talk about what the Air Force needs if we got three people here and they're only want to do a certain job that we know the Air Force doesn't need but we got two sitting there that really care and it's just a way of uh, great customer service at the same time but still getting what you need to get done you know you got a mech or elect. They got the scores already done. The ASVAB tested and they're ready to go. They are priority. Um, it's nothing against the ones who haven't tested yet or maybe one other things. They just you have to prioritize. And we were that busy at one time to where I would call and then I do my pre-qual. Hey, um, I'm really interested in mech. I got I already took the ASVAB. I got 60. Okay, I'm not going to lunch today. Yeah, let's do it. Um, <laughs> if, they, they, if you don't answer, somebody else will. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but then you have the other ones and they still get the same treatment. Hey, I, I haven't tested yet. I'm looking at doing something medical. Okay, well, I'm going to see you on Tuesday. We'll push it back a couple of days because I got other things that I can work with. I've already got people who are qualified and ready to go. And that's what we go off of. That's what I look at with zones. Uh, when you're busy, it's qualification to prioritize. Treat everyone the same. There are going to be people who walk in who are disqualified. Still give them 10, 15, 20 minutes because what happens and what that happens for me is they brought back two, three people. They brought back qualified people. Hey, sorry, Graham, I was never qualified. I had marijuana in my system, but he still was treating me like an adult. He talked to me nice. And bring back two, three people. It happened. It happens. It still happened to this day. Um, so that little piece worked. Now, there are times on the phone where someone tell you, hey, I smoked weed 60 days ago or 40 days ago and I'm 40 pounds over. If I can avoid come, them coming in, then I probably will just answer their questions over the phone to keep my space over here. But yeah, prioritization, knowing what you need to do to get it, get the job done, and setting everything up. And it, I hate the word because recruiters love using it, planning, uh, planning, planning, planning. Uh, and play chess with it. Make it, make the customer feel that hey, uh, I'm wanted, but I'm not needed. You know, and I think that's the big one. Because when you recruit thirsty or yes. you, people feel that energy. Yeah, you really feel that energy of, hey, I really need you, I really need you. Hey, I really want to put you in the Air Force. I really want to help you get out of your situation. But if you don't join, we put in 34000 last year. Yep. It's going to continue to go it on. It's going to continue to go on. <laughs> and I have that uh, humbleness about myself, that humility about myself, just from what I came through to get into the Air Force. Um, so I keep that same approach. I didn't go in with the, hey, what can you do for me? It's, hey, can I get some help? Mm-hmm. You know, And I've always looked at it that way. Even if, you know, you have a great Air Force history, great Air Force background, you still have to be humble about it. Humility is going to take you a lot further than, oh, I looked at the Internet and I know I qualified by my scores and this is what I'm going to do. You have to know what you're dealing with and know where you're moving forward with your applicants. Uh, the best thing that we've done in our squadron with the operations is they sent out the split sheet. So you have an idea yes. of what's going to come available. And then at certain time frames, you know what's available. You have to use that as your as your ammo. And when you're speaking with applicants, you need to know what they want to do from the start. Um, no, we're not going to do a full job counseling, but I'm going to know that Kendrick is really interested in mechanics. I'm going to know that Paul is really interested in electronics. you got to know that from that phone call. Um, and that's how you prioritize those appointments. And then, like I said, when you're playing chess, um, you have to make them feel like, oh, they really need me. Hey, I really want to be a mechanic. I've already taken the ASVAB. Right. So what we do with that is I'm booked up for the next week, but I got a small opening tomorrow. I'm willing to give up my lunch if you're trying to come in because I know I won't be able to catch you till next month. Um, When you do that, now they feel like, hey, he really does need me. Then they come in and we work it through that way, even though I had an opening anyway. You know, that's where the chess game comes in. That's that's just kind of tricks to the trade. But what I would always tell any recruiter, any new recruiter, um, and I told Sergeant Johnson when she was doing my shadow training, is the first thing I do is applicant control. You have to control the process. You have to control the process, whether you got one person or 100. You have to be in control. That's not being rude. That's not being snobby or nasty. That's still being a human being, but you have to be in control. We are a hiring agency. Uh, we are hiring for the Air Force. We're not charity workers. We're, we're not giving away jobs. We're hiring people. We're qualifying people. We're putting the best foot forward. And the Air Force is not a regular job. It's a career. You have the potential of putting somebody in a day who may be the next chief of staff, the next chief master on the Air Force. You have to approach that that way. Um, and then just knowing your process and standing firm on what you believe in with your confidence. Confidence will definitely, you can smell when someone isn't confident or they doesn't know what they're talking about. Um, even if I'm not telling maybe the exact thing because I don't know, when it comes off, it's confident. 
I believe it. Now, if I go and research it later and realize I was wrong, hey, look, I double checked and they changed it a month or two ago. Um, I was a little off, my bad, but this is how it is. But when I told him that day, even I believed it, you know. Uh, I remember when I first came in, I, I was telling people he would get $6,000 for tuition assistance. I didn't know. I never took college like that till I got here. And I had to redo the research. And I'm like, I'm wrong. <laughs> but that's one of the things that when I said it, I believed it. You know, I didn't know no better. Um, I think that's big there. But prioritization, applicant control, making the sale. Making the sale. Some people um, are going to come in and they're going to be sold before they come in the door. That's easy. That's easy job recruit. That's where you become processing. But then there's sometimes you really have to make the sale. You got to dig in your, your recruiter bag and bring out all the tools. Um, I had a guy coming yesterday at 415, 430, and you got to listen. You have to listen to the applicant. He came in and first thing he said was, you know, we had a little issues with scheduling because he was being more, hey, I, I need to come in on a Saturday. I'm like, I ain't open on Saturday. Well, I need to come in seven o'clock. I'm not open at seven o'clock. I'm open from nine to five Monday. If we start an appointment at four, four thirty and it rolls past five, I'm okay with that. But I'm not starting a new appointment at 6 p.m. I had to stand my ground. And it was kind of tough. The guy took the pie cat. He had a 91, but I had to stand my ground, you know, and they came in at four thirty. Um, and, you know, we talking. First thing he said was, hey, I talked to all the other branches and I'm just I'm still leaning toward the Air Force. And six o'clock, he was sold. So it took an hour and a half, but he sold. You know, he sold and he's going to be a great asset because I was digging into it, asking all those questions. And it wasn't more so asking all the branches. It was just more so getting the information. And, you know, that's, that's one of the things, though. But he know from the start that, man, this dude wouldn't even budge and give me a Saturday appointment after I scored a 91. Or he wouldn't give me a 7 appointment. You know, because when they score that test, they feel like they're royalty. Entitled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he'd, he'd be like, this dude really didn't budge. And at that moment, you know, my uh, approach to him was I'm willing to not talk to you because I'm not going to you don't go anywhere else and tell them how to run their business. And I think that's the way to do it. And it was still respectful. Hey, sir, I got a family. I got other things going on. I'm here Monday through Friday, nine to five. Um, you know, I don't I don't I don't mind staying a little late and I'll even come in early. But coming in on a Saturday is not an option. You know, I have a family also and he respect that. So he knows. Even throughout the process, and it changed toward the end. It's like, hey, well, what can I do with my score, and what does the Air Force need? And the tone was set. Took another couple minutes to break into it, but the tone is set. So then when those jobs come available, and it may not be something that he might have not been interested in from the start, he's sold on me. And that's what – I mean, I think that's the key to the Air Force, recruiting. Sell yourself. Very rarely am I selling the CC Mappets or what is it, the uh, – uh, mat- was mattress? Mattress, yeah. matters, matters. <laughs> matters, matters. Yeah, they changed it. Uh, I mean, I'm going through that in my approach, but I'm selling me. I am selling me because if they buy into you, everything goes after that. They buy into the cool Sergeant Graham who talks about basketball sports all the time, who's always laid back, but can be he can turn that switch real quick and become real sergeant-ish, you know. Um, that's what they're buying it. Then they're buying into the Air Force. And I think that is recruiters lose that touch. They are not selling themselves, they're selling the Air Force more so than themselves, and it comes off as being robotic and ungenuine. It comes off as a, a recording. Um, sometimes I sit here all the time and talk about me. I'm from South Carolina, small town. I ain't never thought I was gonna make it out, but I'm here. You know, I was in your seat, you know, and I'm selling that. Then I'm going into it with, hey, look at my education. I did all that through the Air Force. Didn't never thought coming in that I would do it. And that's the sell yourself part. Once they believe in you, because then it's like a personal relationship. Hey, man, I, I'm going to the Air Force because I can't let Sergeant Kendrick down. You know, it's not more so mom and dad. Was, man, Sergeant Kendrick, good people. I got to Got to let them. Can't let them down. You know, so when I do get those phone calls, when I do get those text messages, hey, sir, I got a guy just won uh, Airman of the Year at the group, you know, in Masao. And it's like. 
He's like, man, you you start you you did no. I just told you what I knew, and I told you what I thought I would have did when I was your your rank. But you did it, you know. And but then that travels on. Pay, pay it for it. The next airman in your shop that's a little rough around edges. Give him some information. So I think that's the key to it. I think I keep going back off of the questions you're asking. No, okay. <laughs> no, you're doing a great job. So um, the big thing is uh, first of all, study matters. And just a quick story on that. I did not study matters when I went to recruiting school. I brushed it off thinking it wasn't a big deal. And uh, literally, I had to memorize all that in like one day because who would have known there would be a pop quiz um, like a couple of days into (laughs) it. So, so, hey, you know, all the recruiters out there going to recruiting school that may watch this video, remember that. So, uh, Sergeant Graham, uh, great tips. You know, I think that was very, um, helpful for new recruiters. I know even for myself, um, I've came to you for uh, tips before, you know, how to be the bad guy. And, um, some of the things you told me, man, it was one story you told me, I'm not going to get too in uh, depth into it, but I remember you were saying you had an applicant who was uh, being rude to his mother and, um, you know, you stopped the appointment and let him know, Hey, you can't do that uh, type of thing. And, and that's a perfect example of setting the tone because it lets that person know that you got to have respect, just like I have respect for your mother who brought you here. Mm-hmm. And that lets them know, hey, it's not all about numbers. You know, I'm looking out for overall what's best for us and for you, which I think is pretty awesome. The another thing I noticed about you a lot is that you're big on professional development because how could you be such a great leader if you didn't develop yourself, which you do. And every professional development event I see, I'm at, I usually see you at, you <laughs> yeah, know, I'm so, for you now. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it's, I try to get one, you know, every month or so, um, based on my schedule, but I think that's very, very important, so what do you tell the recruiters, or, or uh, for why that's important, when they're so consumed by recruiting, why is it important to keep developing yourself in the midst of all this chaos? In the midst of all the chaos, um, the, the key to it, or the main reason behind it is because you still are a supervisor. You still are playing a supervisory role. I've learned things in those professional development courses that not only am I going to take back, you know, let's say flight chief or back to my career field, but I use it with the Deppers um, because I won't say they're practice, but they are your airmen. <laughs> the Deppers are your airmen. If they mess up, you get in trouble. Yep. You know, <laughs> you don't go to the squadron commander wearing blues when they get in trouble, but you deal with that pain of trying to fill that job or talk to that family member. And that's what you, that's the way you have to look at it. Um, but yeah, you got to You got to take still taking care of yourself. Um, then now what I would say is don't do it for a bullet or to fill up a block. Do something you really enjoy. Um, I wanted to understand this record review process. I signed up and went there. Sergeant Kendrick was sitting right there. I've learned a lot there because in turn, I still have airmen in the Air Force that I used to supervise that they reach out to me still. Hey, Sergeant Graham, I'm going up for tech. I'm going. What do I need to look for? I still need to be able to answer those questions. Even though I'm in a different career field, I'm still in the Air Force. And, you know, I, I built my name up and I have that uh, respect of, hey, I, they're still counting on me. Mm-hmm. So I can't I'm letting them down if I come here and go strictly into a whole nother mode and forget where I came from or forget who I've helped along the way, because they still reaching out to me just as I reach out to some of my friends who retired and they're still staying up on stuff to make sure they're there. But you got to stay. Uh, you're going to be a flight chief one day. If you stay in recruiting, you're going to be a flight. chief. There's going to be a day to where you're really going to have to be a supervisor again, full time EPRs, all that stuff. You have to be ready for that. And I think that was one of the biggest flaws I've seen when I came into recruiting was my flight chief, all my flight chiefs, with the exception of Sergeant Corbin, when he's, he went back to force also, were recruiters who were detailed out. So they had a different approach. They was us. They hated the bag. Now I'm the flight chief, and let me just make sure I did or do what I need to do that I didn't like when I was there. Uh, 
but I've seen some of the EPR writing. I've seen some of the techniques and stuff that I, and I'm like, this sucks. You know, this will not fly in the real Air Force. Um, and I know we say real Air Force and recruiting, but yeah. it was some things that I just didn't, I didn't understand it. And some of our older leadership, far as our flight chiefs that's in tier three, tier four, they've been away from the hustle and bustle of the real Air Force for so long that they just probably don't know. You think you figure, you know, most of our pro soups have been recruiting since senior airmen. I'm not saying that they're not good leaders, good supervisors, but they don't remember. I came fresh from going to the professional developments, having a shot full of 25 airmen. So to me, it's still fresh, and I wanted to make sure that it stayed fresh. So if I do get that opportunity to become a flight chief, I remember how I ran my shop. I need to run this the same way. It's just it's the same thing. It's still leadership, but it's going to the classes that are going to make you a better person and a better leader. Because you're, you're going to be a flight chief. You're going to be pro suit. You're going to be chief. Or you're going to go back to your career field and run your – you can't go. It's not. An, I don't feel like it's a viable excuse for me to, if I were to go back to my career field in July 2021 and start out August and just act like I don't know how to be a mass sergeant. Exactly. That, that's not an excuse. I just got out of recruiting. Give me a break. No, I need to. <laughs> I need to come in and hit the ground running um, because I've been on the opposite side of it, where those applicants or where those uh sorry, where those NCOs come back from a special duty and they act like they never NCOed before. And it's frustrating because, hey, you should be on another level. To me, when I get back, I should be on another level and bring that back to my career field. It's not only viable excuse I have is, hey, I might not be able to fix that air condition in 10 minutes. It's going to take about an hour. Yeah, let me pull out the manual in the book. But um, no, I, I don't think, I think if anything, you should come back running and and you have to set it apart. And yet, I, I don't, Some everybody's career feels different. HVAC was busy too. You know, if those... Uh, server rooms isn't cold, planes aren't flying, and reapers and predators, that's what I was dealing with at my last base. We still found time, and it's more so a time thing. Uh, and I think the sacrifice is the word. If they have that professional development during lunch or right after my lunch, I may have to take that appointment and not eat at lunch. I may have to drive to the other side of base, you know, driving and eating in my lap, but it's all a balance. And then there's going to be that day where it's going to be everything's running smooth, and you're like, you're not even going to remember that you drove across town eating a burger and you didn't drop no crumbs and then you went straight. Yeah. You're not going to remember those days. I mean, look at you driving three hours up here to go to those briefings. Uh-huh. I have no excuse when I'm 15, 20 minutes away. I live closer to the base than I do my office, you know, um, and just reach out. It doesn't always have to be an Air Force class, but you have to continue to develop yourself as a leader, as a person, because life is all about adjustments. Um, I'm not the same guy that was a staff sergeant a couple years ago. I'm not the same guy that I'm not the same guy I was last month. Because I'm always adjusting, I'm always learning, I'm taking advice, I'm listening to people. Um, whether they're in a position higher than me or lower than me, I'm still listening because they're giving me viable information. And I think that's development as a person. And that's a, Life is a continuing continuation of development. Um, if you ever get stuck, then something's wrong. You should be learning something new every day. Um, even now, I just certain stuff I do with Outlook that I'm learning. I call Captain Taylor, hey, did I do this right? Because I want to learn how to do it. Um, and I, it's got to be a, it's got to be in you. You got to want to do better. Um, I'm not OK with just being OK. Uh, that goes with everything. Professional development, fitness, everything. I just got to be not the best, but in my mind, my best. So my best might be someone else's, you know, walk in the park, but it's my personal best. I think that's the importance of it. Awesome. So um, once again, some great tools and things you need to understand. Um and kind of help you develop yourself because you will go back to being, uh, and you are working for the Air Force, even if you feel like recruiting is not, <laughs> you're not in the Air Force, you're still in the Air Force. And uh, one a mentor I had a while ago who was um, actually the husband of my uh, flight chief, 
He retired and um, he would say uh, leaders read. And uh, I agree with that. But, you know, I understand everybody's not a fan of reading, um, but I feel that leaders learn. So whether you read, watch videos, um, you know, listen to your airmen, those are all things you should be doing and having an open mindset to learn because you're going to run across a lot of different situations. And if you've seen it before, you probably do a better job of handling it versus if you've never even heard of it. Okay. So cool. So uh, Sergeant Graham, we're going to wrap up here soon. I mean, the last thing I always ask is overall, you know, summary of what we talked about for those recruiters out there, you know, that kind of gain some knowledge from you and the audience you're talking to, what is some final things you want to say to them and, and those folks who out in the field, look up to you or maybe you're like an urban legend to where they don't know your face, but they know you're a gold badge recruiter or they walk into the squadron and see your photo somewhere. Um, what do you say to them and necessarily not how they can get to your level production wise? Cause you know, if you haven't been listening to this conversation, that's not the importance of this. The importance of it is getting better overall and a better airman. What do you say to them? Uh, oof, man, well, a lot, but what I would start off with is far as the DSD program goes. Um, now, if you would have talked to me January 2018, right after I got here in July 2017, I wouldn't give the same speech. But DSD picks the best of the best. That's what the program is designed for. So in the Air Force, you, you have two different routes, right? Till I made about staff sergeant-ish, right about right when I put on staff, I was compliant. Um. After that, I'm committed. So this is a commitment. It's not a compliance thing anymore. I'm not just going through the motions and collecting a check. I'm actually committed to what I'm doing. I'm committing to becoming the best recruiter, the best HVAC guy, the best airman, the best NCO, CNCO, et cetera. And that's where it comes in with you have to do when you come into recruiting. If you're struggling, you have to check yourself. You, you're not you're not going to be successful, successful in this job with a compliance mindset. You have to be committed to what you're doing and getting better. Um, nobody's going to knock at the door and say, here's all the tools to be a recruiter and it's going to work. You got to copy and paste. You got to get out and get your hands dirty and you got to figure this thing out. Um, as far as recruiting goes, I would tell you to focus on applicant control, make the sale and continue mentoring. Um, but applicant control will basically tailor the entire process. And no, if you don't know how to talk to people, or if you think you know how to talk to people, learn how to talk to people. I mean, I could tell someone, hey, I don't agree with what you're saying right now. You're disqualified and you're not, the Air Force isn't the right fit for you. Or I could say, hey, man, get out of my office. You're, you're an idiot. And it's, it's, I'm, I would never tell anyone that. But <laughs> <laughs> um, that's, we both said the same thing in two different ways. And take the feedback. Um, constant feedback. Like I said, I remember everything I've been told along the way from whether it be the shirt, the pro suit, our previous pro suit. Um, I'm always taking notes to get better. You always have room to grow. Uh, what I would say is it's going to get discouraged. The first three, four months, even though we had a barbershop full of people, I was so sad because here I am leaving HVAC at the top of the mountain. Everybody's calling me to fix things. And I know, I know I'm the best at it. And then I get here and I, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, Humble yourselves, learn the job, and become the best at it. And stand on what you're good at. If you are better at marketing and getting out, use that to your ability. Um, if you're good at getting out and embedding yourself into the zone, use that to your ability. Use what your strength. Use your strengths and work on your weaknesses. This job will expose both of them. 
You're going to learn about things that you're very really good at. You're going to learn that things that, man, I didn't realize I was that bad till I got put in that position. But dig deep. Get in them regulations. That what they call it now, SOPG. SOP. Yes. Your operating guide. Yeah, perfect. Right. (laughs) Get into that. Read that. Um, It has all the answers to you. Control F. Find it. Um, When I first got here, I was calling my old. uh, I'm Avron. No, because she stay. Hey, looking at P. You looked in the PSDG. Sergeant Goods were my first flight chief. I would call him every night about seven thirty. Call him seven thirty-five and seven forty, asking questions. So he just made a rule like, "Hey, Grandma, I don't mind you calling me." But I need to know that you looked first. And that stuck with me. So, hey, hey, sorry, good job. I looked at page 65, table 3.2. And am I looking over it? <laughs> you know, um, but now that's how it is because eventually after a year, somebody's going to new come into the, they're going to come new into recruiting. They're going to call Sergeant Kendrick because I'm most senior recruiter. Hey, Sergeant Kendrick, how do you do this for a dependency waiver? You got to be able to answer that. And, you know, every now and then you get those free answers, but you got to look it up. Um, but, yeah, that's what I would tell you guys. Just, if you're still in that compliance mindset, it's time to be committed because this is not a job where you can just ride the wave. You can't hide in the back here. You're on the forefront. You're the first person that somebody meets to go into the Air Force. Whether you're having a great day, bad day, or in between, you have to have that approach. Um, and, and actually love what you do and learn to love what you do. I think that would be the biggest thing. And don't don't give up. It, it's uh, it's going to be days to where it's going, even now, year three, almost year three, there's days I come in like, I really do not like this job. I'm going crazy. Why is it this way? And then two days later, it's great recruiting days. and like It's extreme highs and extreme lows. But in between the midst of all of the work issues you're going to have, take care of yourself. Take care of your family. You, want, you need to build that support system. If you know Saturday mornings you like to go fishing or hang out with your family, wife, and kids, don't miss that Saturday. I don't care how Monday through Friday went. Don't miss that Saturday morning. Don't be on the computer while you're trying to fish. You know, just put it to the side. <laughs> it's going to be there. Just, just figure it out. Yes, the first couple months, if you're a new recruiter coming in, brand new leaving school, and you see this, your first couple months are going to suck. I don't care where your zone is at. I don't care if you have a great walk-in market or you have a market where nobody's been in for two years. Those first couple, you got to learn all this stuff. And guess what happens when you learn how to work afterwards? They come out with a new thing that you have to learn how to do that. I came in, we were still doing paper. Then we went paperless. Then we went signature. So it's going to keep changing, going to keep evolving. Stay in the regs, read, learn, so you can kind of know what's coming up so you'd be ready for those changes because we're the change agents. You know, we're the ones who's going through the changes. Um, so that's it, man. Just Stay, stay true to it. Stay true to yourself and, and just be great at it. Um, it gets better. I won't say it gets easier. It might not get easier, but it will get better because you will have your processes. You will have your how you handle your business. So That's all I have for you. All right. So, Sergeant Grant, I want to thank you for having this interview. Really appreciate it. Um, you know, all I can say is I'm looking at all your accolades and uh, the the common thing I see is most of them say true professional. Um, and then that's exactly what you've been today and continue to be. So hopefully this helps everybody. And until the next time, this is High Flyer TV reporting the real on recruiting. Show.